a red alert. Okay, so I have a whiz banger of who's behind the floating hand, and it's not the Borg Queen. But let's talk. Finale. Give, Picard. Give me, give me your crazy idea. Season three. Spoiler central. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Do not listen unless you have completely caught up to every episode besides episode 10. We are two and a half hours out from the Eastern premiere of Star Trek Picard. I'm here with Renzo. I'm Dag. You know the drill. I don't want to share what mine is because it's it's insanely cool. I have bad news. It's not two and a half hours. If it was just two and a half hours, I could guarantee I'd stay up for it. Oh. <sighs> What time's the premiere for you? 3 a.m. Oh, okay, so Pacific time midnight then. That's nice of them. Well, I have to wake up arse early tomorrow. I I still won't be able to watch it. We're walking now at 6 a.m. Walking's fun. It's really good. We're getting up and doing like two miles a morning. That sounds exhausting. No. It's fantastic. Um... But, but I'm yeah, I'm so a morning about, person and you're like the night owl, so. Yeah, I'm very tempted to just stay up tonight. But <laughs> I have I have an early meeting with a customer tomorrow, so. I'm That's okay. Going to put myself to sleep. That's okay. We can talk about it when we get there. All right. So what do we know? We know now that the Borg and the Changelings have colluded to assimilate the the fleet. With at some least this sect of change yeah, have. Yes, yes. This sect that appears to be uh, POWs left over from the Dominion War who were experimented on by Federation scientists, Section 31. Who cares? It was us. Like, if, you're, if, if your worst people are going to represent you, then it's you. <laughs> yeah, I can't blame Vatic and her ilk for hating the Federation as a whole. Yeah. Definitely, definitely can't blame them for it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, this is one of those situations like, ah, we brought this on ourselves. Just like we did with the synth ban. Just like we did with uh, trying to kill a Borg queen in a Confederate universe. Ah. I mean, these things keep happening. They keep happening. There was a nice time when the plot wasn't driven by characters. (laughs) Oh, we're going to visit a planet that's severely fucked up. Let's make some political commentary about this and warp away. Have a good one. Sorry, that planet that we removed the drugs from. <laughs> well, we found out what happened to them. This is true, but we had to wait 30 years. Yeah. <sighs> All right. So, uh, Vatic is gone, shattered to the wind. Um, a fitting ending, in my opinion. I think yeah. that, that was a good way to do it. Great callback using the the Borg trans the Borg sort of we're gonna assimilate you without you knowing it plot from Voyager. That was pretty cool. Um I had suspected that Picard's Eromotic syndrome was not a disease since Picard season one when I wrote my alternate ending that was that's why he's locutus because he speaks for us to these extra galactic uh uh Synthulu. That's what we called them at the time. The 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 little the robots from yeah, Beyond the, the Galaxy. Tentacles. Yeah. But uh alright, so now we have Locutus who is the speaker and Vox who is the voice. And that is why and how uh Jack can take over people and move them. Can we just stop and talk about how dumb Jack Crusher is? 
Yeah, we can. Yeah, because that was like the one part of the episode I was like, this is so dumb. No, no, <laughs> this is the dumbest. Who, who allowed this? Like, I get it. He can stop people under 25 from stopping him. So the two security guards, sure. But did nobody think to just like keep the door shut on the shuttle bay or grab him with a tractor beam or anything? Like That's, that's not really Jack's fault. That's the rest of the ship's fault. <laughs> oh, no, I think the sto that story beat is what's dumb. Jack Crusher himself oh, yeah. running off and thinking he can overpower the Borg Queen is extra dumb. Yes. But, like, as a story beat, I just find this this little bit to be pretty beef-worthy. I am highly dissatisfied with the trope of kid finds out they're special in all the wrong ways and decides to destroy the universe. Soji thought she was special in all the wrong ways and decided to destroy the universe. Yeah, we got the burn from one of those, too. Cal was the one to point that out. To me. He made a good point. The burn. Like, little kid crying destroys the universe. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I do appreciate that this spin on assimilation is different, right? It harkens back to Unimatrix Zero episode where the Borg Queen was like, we don't need to physically assimilate them necessarily. Yeah. We can just get their brains and that's... That's what we really need. Cool, I get that. This idea of like doing it through biological transceivers, also pretty cool. That all tracks. That seems like something that's at least feasible at Borg levels of tech. Um, the whole, this is an unintended consequence of the assimilation of Locutus, also tracks for me, right? Like they didn't plan for this. This is just something that they are taking advantage of. Yeah. I think the, the fandom is a little cr crazy about this whole like, how did the Borg Queen plan this 40 years in advance? I don't I don't think she did. I don't think they did. I think this is just like a a lucky thing, right? Like if Picard ever had kids, he would pass on that gene and it just so happens that well, it developed in a way that is very beneficial to them. Yeah, it makes you wonder how the changelings got in touch with the Borg in the first place. I mean, yes, we can understand why you'd have beef and I love the way that the Borg Queen aligns their goals like you know, you two will experience the harmony instead of living like pieces of broken glass. And I was like, that's a great metaphor. I love that. Yeah, because they can't <laughs> rejoin the Great Link, it seems, because of their fleshiness. Yeah. Yeah. So I fully, ex I fully expect everyone to go wild when we actually see the Borg Queen's face and it's Ardra in disguise. <laughs> you want the devil to do all of this then? Yes. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, what if it's Janeway? What if it's Janeway and she'd already been assimilated before all this? Hey, I mean, That's what if I haven't seen her? Yeah, that'd be great. I'm okay with that. She was assimilated. She too could have carried this little uh, Trojan horse uh, code thing. Um, I, you know, it's interesting. The uh, the Daystrom facility where they got uh, new data and had had kirk there uh obviously that foreshadowed the recovery of the saucer section of the enterprise d from viridian 3 because they went back for kirk they might as well go back for the shuttle or the the saucer corrective you can't just leave your junk lying around Starfleet right. has a great history of technology hygiene as saru put it oh yeah oh yeah so, um yeah. but another thing that you see in the daystrom place is the remnants of the borg queen from first contact and I'm thinking, like, what if the person 
that's talking to Jack is just those remnants. It's not even like Alice Cridge's body. It's just the head with the spine plugged into the ship. That's why it sounds like Alice. Yeah. Totally okay with this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I see no reason why at least the consciousness of the Borg Queen couldn't survive without the biological components. Yeah. Right? Maybe not the personality, some of the ambition of it, but the knowledge of it certainly could. The tactileness of it would be a memory, much like yeah. when Beryl got his brain replaced with positronics. Yeah. And he, he was like, it doesn't feel like a touch, it feels like the memory of a touch. <clears throat> That's a good analysis for it, I think. Yeah. I also think that this, that the scene where we got to see Shelby in Ep 8, or in the previous episode, was amazing. I, I did not see Shelby coming, I did not expect it. I knew that we were going to get some kind of cameo for somebody playing Admiral, somebody in charge of the Enterprise uh, F, uh, but I didn't expect Shelby, and that was great. So we finally get to see Shelby in charge of an Enterprise. Yep, that was really cool. Even though the F's supposed to be early decommissioning, which is just timely enough for them to reinstate a certain Galaxy-class starship as the new flagship again. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. So, I mean, since they stole the, or they're, they're using the design from Star Trek Online, and the Star Trek Online Enterprise has a good bit of history to it, right? Like, we know that it did go through several long refits, and it got decommissioned at some point and went through a refit to the Yorktown subtype. I suspect that's kind of what this is alluding to, because when we see it in use in 2405 or whatever when the game setting starts all the way through 2409, uh, it looks different than it does at this point. Okay. So it's got some upgrades. So I, that seems fine. Sure. It's it's cool to just see things from Star Trek Online going to the main canon. And I also discovered something this week when going through some of the materials that were published for the first episode of the season. Remember when the Elio 7 uh, was attacked by three smaller ships? They were red ships. In the first season? In the first episode of this season. Oh. Crusher ship. The, yeah. Uh, the medical, yeah. So those three ships, and I knew it at the time, they were they looked like the Alachi ships from Star Trek Online, right? But I was like, they just borrowed the design, they recolored them, they're just re- they're not going to actually bring in the Alachi this way. No, no, I was wrong. So in the like ancillary stuff that David Blast was put out, he wrote up like this whole story about how they were bought off the black market after having been abandoned by Alachi crew. Wow. Like, Neat. That's something straight out of Star Trek Online, um, and those are the same enemies as uh, Silent Enemy from Enterprise. The shroom head dudes. Oh, okay. Enemies. Okay. Same race. So that's where that. Yeah, I'm just I'm in love with this whole like interaction between different Star Trek IPs. Just like I like that gimme. I appreciate that as well. <sighs> well, we finally so, got to see after 29 years, the Enterprise D warped back into action. Carpet. The big fat one. <laughs> the fat one. Uh, honestly, I got a little teary-eyed at it. It was great. It was it was a really well-shot scene. Seeing him on the bridge was lovely. The carpeting. I said I love the carpeting just before Picard commented the same thing. Um, so, yeah. I, the lighting I, is I good. That, mm-hmm. I think what, what really moved me was when they turned on the bridge and all the systems came to life. Like, this wasn't 1987 where you're flipping the back of a, of a screen to do light all at once. These are digital graphics that the ship is, you know, 
and that was really really cool and i i'm so glad that i i hope that they retcon that's just a retcon permanently now um you know they only had two days to shoot on that set i did and it's crazy that they got so much done even just for this scene that with the little that we saw in this episode like it's incredible because i can imagine like everybody just walking onto the set for their first shot and just being like i can't keep it in for a little while and they had to waste some time with everybody getting their emotions under control yeah um so i wanted to ask you this do you have any theories as to why the Jurati board queen hasn't kind of like done anything uh because season two has a firewall against season three <laughs> it's the real explanation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that should happen, it, though. That crazy shit with the fake Borg that happened last year, or whatever he said. Yeah. But then you know, Crusher was like, "No one's seen the Borg in a decade." A real Borg. Well, I'm. I, I'll stretch it that far too. But, um, yeah, there was that. Um, why hasn't Gerardi Borg showed up? Maybe she will. Maybe she doesn't Maybe. know. Maybe she didn't know until the signal pinged on her radar and she's like, oh. So maybe she'll warp in with allies at the end and we'll finally get the Picard allies coming to help one ship. We'll have our own Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Endgame portals moment. Wait, so you mean you like the ending for Prodigy when all the other races decide to help out during the living construct uh controlling the entire fleet again uh yeah exactly that (laughs) didn't we learn from last season not to network the fleet the way that we just networked the fleet didn't we learn from prodigy not to network the fleet the way that we just networked the fleet they really really need to make battlestar galactica like required watching at starfleet academy and that's what's um, that's what I'm thinking is going to happen in Strange New Worlds, and why the Enterprise gets like a retro remodel into uh, Kirk's Enterprise because it's like, oh, networking bad. Let's we have to remodel now to shield all of our systems so that they can't be hacked that way, and that's why they they went from less Ferrari to you know diesel pickup truck. Taking a slight detour out of Picard Land into Strange New Worlds, did you see the trailer today? I want the ship to go now. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that was that was very Spock, but the Klingon? It looks normal. Looks CG to me. It looks CG, but it looks TNG. Yeah. When we should be prepping or getting closer to TOS Klingons. Well, I saw a really cool comment that was like, what if we see uh, Klingons in this weird transition of ones who weren't affected by the augment virus, ones who are, and then the discovery ones. And maybe we'll learn some throwaway line where like the discovery ones continued experimenting with augmentation and eugenics, and that's why they look like lobsters, versus versus the, the standard appearance versus the human appearance of, you know, some of those guys who inherited those genes. And also, there's also cosmetic, you know, surgery. Sure. I mean, I'm just saying, I would love it if they gave us like a throwaway line that said, oh, the ones with the weird head, those are the ones that went too far with the augmentation stuff. Something like that. I would be all down. Just give us something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a cool trailer, generally. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, so. Seeing uh, La'an hot for Kirk. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, are they in the past again at the end of that trailer? It looked like it. Because he's like, I'm from space. I'm like, direct callback to Star Trek 4, right there. I, I mean, I thought so, but he, it's, but he's supposed to go, I'm not from, I just work in space. I'm from Iowa. Or right, but it's still a direct so, callback. It's fine. Yes, definitely. No, definitely callback. <sighs> so let's see. What kind of predictions do you think we're going to have? Like, what, what predictions do you have for the finale in Picard? All right. So maybe we could, like, grade predictions on, like, a, this would be badass, and I this could happen, but I would be, like, eh about it. We have two axes here, though, right? There's likelihood axes, and then there's like-dislike axes. Well, I don't have dislike. I just have, like, meets expectations, exceeds expectations. Okay. I don't want to go into dislike just because I don't want to hate Star Trek. Like, uh, I spend too much time on Reddit watching people be like, this should have happened and that should have happened. And I'm like, guys, it's a show. Just enjoy it. I'm there with you. I also <laughs> hate that Trek beard mentality of like, oh, it's not what I wanted. It sucks. Right. Go write your own freaking fan cameo, you uncreative pedantic patak. Yeah. Sorry. For, uh, ignore my, my German Klingon there. <laughs> okay, so tell me right. some of your predictions then. What have you got? All right. I still think this portals thing is going to happen. I think that uh, Picard's allies are going to show up. And I think the Borg signal may have heralded the call. I think if the Gerardi Borg show up, they're going to be on the line with that. It would be really great to see like the Klingons show up after all the help that Picard has given the Klingon Empire. It would be awesome if uh, Picard's girlfriend had gone back to the Romulan Empire and said, look, remember? And then so the Romulans show up. So you've got a combined Klingon Borg Romulan fleet led by the Enterprise D against the, the Federation fleet in Earth orbit. I got a twist for you, though. That would be like my A grade want. I've got. A, I love all that, and I've got one added possible for you. Uh, badgy. Better. Okay, better. go, 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 go. Cisco shows up with some Dominion ships at his back because they realize that if the Federation gets assimilated and takes over the Alpha Quadrant and Beta Quadrant by the Borg, they're toast. Well, his his ship is, you know, his pimp hand is back at Daystrom's, or not Daystrom, but the, the Fleet Museum, so. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying he shows up in the Defiant, though that would be nice. Well, but... we know Janeway's going to show up. They've name-dropped her so much. We know Tuvok is going to show up. I don't know if we're going to see Janeway. Janeway and Tuvok come as a pair. You know this. Like, yeah, fair they, at, at the very beginning, Janeway sponsored Seven's stuff. They've name-dropped her at least two or three times since then. It's so ready to happen that Janeway is like, yeah, I knew about this from day one. Thanks for being a decoy while I brought the while I brought the cavalry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they mentioned that they hadn't been able to get in touch with her, so maybe she's just been off right. assembling a coalition. Yeah. Um, or Garrick shows up with some with some Cardassian oh gosh. ships as well. Oh my so gosh. He's back for the Federation rebuilding <laughs> of Cardassia. Can we get 82-year-old uh, Andy Robinson up in here, please? Rom shows up with a Ferengi to save the people of Earth. Two DS9. This is a TNG okay, show. that's fair. You're right, you're right, you're right. But I mean, they did the Dominion as some of the big bads in this. They did, they did, and they they did, and then they, whoop, and then they, and then the Nene. Um... Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't begrudge that end. It's just that would make this last hour of television probably the most expensive hour of television produced in the history of television. To get all of those people back in the role with the makeup, with the ships, with the special effects, yeah, it would just be super expensive. And they're already aiming for, what, 80 minutes on this episode? Yeah, I'd heard it was uh, close to 90, but yeah. Yeah, so there's definitely a reason for me to take my laptop to work tomorrow and hide in a soundproof cubby and pretend to do something for an hour and a half. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, other cool thing that I'm really hoping we see, though I really love the new space dock in orbit of Earth, I think it's the most badass looking Starfleet station we've ever been shown. Awesome. I really want to see them blow it up. I want to see it as like a drawn out long fight i don't want it to just be like exploded in the background i want them to show it to us show the misery of actually phasering the bitch down right like i think it'd be awesome you mean like when uh lower decks the texas, the texas yeah. ships did it yeah so we we're i just want to say for the audience like this the space dock around earth now is not the same as space as starbase one starbase one is now the fleet museum this is a new starbase, so we're just making clear that there's a backup starbase ready to get moved back when this one gets blown up. And a whole new fleet ready to launch, because these ships can be restored now. Museum ships, leave them in a museum. It belongs in a museum. Yeah, a museum ship with a cloaking device. That shouldn't really work too well, but And why did they take the why did they take the bounties and not the defiance? Maybe the Romulans reclaimed it at the end of the Dominion War? Me. They could have taken Kronos ones. <laughs> we have they a lot of ships with cloaking devices here, huh? Yeah. Wouldn't that be weird if, like, I don't know, Russia was, like, hanging Air Force One in a grand square somewhere? We'd be like... So, if you go to the Smithsonian down in D.C., right, they actually have several old Soviet icbms like on display like real ones they were in silos at one point in their history they're demilitarized so there's no nuke inside of them but the thing is real and they're on loan and we loan them parts of the apollo program or a saturn portion or something and they show theirs off in their museums so these sorts of trades i think are pretty reasonable like people were freaking out when they saw chronos one in the fleet museum and i was like no they're allies they're gonna trade ships for museum purposes for like a year or 20 and then swap back right like it's not mm. that crazy to me yeah that's like fair maybe the sutherland is over in the chronos museum of ships right because it's the one that disrupted the romulan invasion of klingon space or something like that was the trade that they have like a one. they have like a statue of data yeah <laughs> i'm sure klingon <sighs> museums are pretty badass though okay so we know that the Enterprise is unlinked to the rest of the fleet, so it can't be um, Cyloned. That's going to be my term. It can't be Cyloned. Uh, but we also know that the Enterprise transporters are clean, too. And that ship was an evacuation ship, and we never actually got to see that feature. So wouldn't it be great if we could be like, Mr. LaForge, activate all transporters. Beam the command crews of those vessels over here and back and cleanse their brains of whatever damned thing the Borg did to them. I mean, I we've seen transporters used as healing tools many times in the past, right? Right? Reversing Pulaski's aging in Season 2 of TNG. They do it a few other places, but that's probably the most significant one, mm -hmm. I think. Um, I think that's a good idea, though... 
I don't know how feasible it is when these ships have their shields up, so it'd be a matter of like getting all of their shields down and then time, because you're going to need time to beam them all over, and that means the Enterprise D's shields are going to be down, so somehow you've got to disable the other ships in the Starfleet that are in orbit and then beam their crews off. I don't know. You've got it's the Borg show up. Oh, you've got this backup fleet. Yeah. This backup fleet shows up, and Janeway's like, Tuvok, load all of the uh, the thing and things that drop their shields. And then Tuvok just tells her what that is. The, the prefix code, Admiral? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like essentially this whole fleet formation thing works on the prefix code, too. Like, that's what it seems like. Because they're locking out the ship's crew from its own ship, which is essentially what they did to Khan. So. Yeah. So we have we have a Borg ship that can communicate through Borg stuff with through Jurati. We have Janeway, who has all the Federation knowledge she needs. We have a Romulan fleet and a Klingon fleet, and optimally a Ferengi fleet and a Cardassian fleet. Uh, Cisco flashes in with a few hundred Dominion ships, and we have the greatest space battle that has ever happened of all time. It will require tremendous biofilter cleanup afterwards. Just imagine, though, right? Like, we get this devastating scene at the beginning of the episode where the formation fleet of assimilated people... It's annihilating, destroys, yeah. ...destroys the big-ass space dock in orbit of Earth, right? They start firing on other satellites in orbit of Earth. Maybe they hit a planetary shield and start bringing it down. The crew of the Enterprise-D warps there. They start trying to figure out something... And then they get, like, this massive rescue operation shows up. We get this massive space battle with dozens or hundreds of ships just... Yeah, exactly. It would be, like, a good way to do the copy-paste fleet from the end of Season 1. Yeah, we get those guys back. <laughs> I mean, they're somehow not here. What if it's Janeway's fleet? What if she's on tour? Yeah. And she shows up in the freaking Dauntless. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, Captain. I was in the Delta Quadrant. We left, like, 20 minutes ago. <laughs> Sorry for the delay. Yeah. And then you see, like, Ensign Dahl, or, like, Captain Dahl with her or something. Come on. Let's, let's not be aggressive here. It's been 20 years. He's is not Ensign 20? Kim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Prodigy, Prodigy is 2381, so it's been 20 yeah, years. it is 20. Granted, I mean, you know, depending on where he wants to be comfortable in his, you know, role, it would be a really cool toss to... Uh, to Prodigy to see that's Doll's Endgame. So now, how are we tantalized into seeing how he gets there? Uh, I happen to know to find it myself, but it was mentioned in one of the subreddits. People who are looking through the pictures of all the ships in formation over Earth said that they managed to find a uh, a couple ships out of uh, lower decks as well. They said it wasn't the Cerritos, but it was one of the Parliament-class ships, like the Vancouver that we saw, mm -hmm. which I think would fit very well, but I haven't been able to find it. So I really like the fact that they've got this variety in the fleet and orbit of Earth for this. Yeah, well, you remember we were, we interviewed Burrito Truck a while back? Yeah. yeah, he posted a complete list of every ship that was there with their class in, oh, okay. in his post on Star Trek. So it's the Canon Connections post in Star Trek, the latest one. Yeah, I mean, we see tons of Akira's, Luna's, Sovereigns, right? Like, there is yeah. a good variety in that fleet. There's even just... there's even a Gagarin class, which is well, like... Well, the, the updated Gagarin. Oh, okay. Is... Yeah, it's one, the from one that STO? comes from STO. Okay. I was like, that's 150 years old. <laughs> 
Yeah, there's a few of the inquiries too, the ones from the copy paste fleet, but it's just there were three hundred of those or something at the copy paste fleet yeah. battle. So what did you think of the formation that it mimicked board writing? I did like it. Yeah. I did think it was pretty neat. Um it made sense to put like your heaviest military asset in the center of each of those little pods as well. It looked good. Um excessively tight as far as space is concerned, but it looked really cool. So it makes sense for the show to show it. Fun fact that uh, everybody everybody on the Titan who was affected by the Borg thing, all of them are 28 or older. The actors? Yeah. That's 28. Hilarious. And only one of them is in their 20s. The rest of them are 30-something. That's really funny. I love that. <laughs> I guess that's just typical Hollywood, though, right? Like, they can never cast people the age they actually are. I suppose, you know. But, How many 30-year-olds uh, have we seen in the high school settings because of Hollywood? Uh, just watch Saved by the Bell. Just watch Glee. 90210. Yeah. Yeah. 21 Jump Street. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, what's, what's the other one? Even Buffy the Vampire Slayer was bad about this. And yeah. Vampire, Vampire Diaries was awful for all these things. Yeah. Hollywood cannot cast teenagers to be in high school. Mm -mm. So we have our... We have our prediction for what we want to see on Earth. What's Jack's story? How does it end? So that's where I think Picard is going to end up going, right? Like, I think he's going to go to Earth, realize that there's basically nothing he can do to stop this because it's a hundred ships against an ancient D. So he's going to go and be like, well, where is the signal coming from? From there, maybe he can find it. It didn't take Jack very long to get to wherever that Borg cube is hiding even though I don't think it's just a cube. It looks bigger. It looks like it's like a unicomplex. Yeah. Um, but he's going to follow that signal and try and find his son. It'll be a very heroic, like, I've got to save my baby kind of a moment. And that, I think, would actually work, right? Like, if you unplug Vox from this whole thing, then it might actually work. I don't think trying to beat that fleet militarily with our little alliance of the willing here is actually all that beneficial of an ending for the Federation. Yeah, I still think that it would be poetic if maybe Gerardi's Borg fleet does show up and the only way Picard can get there in time is to reassimilate and attack the Queen from within. Oh, man. And That's this time tough. he's Locutus and he's speaking for us and not the Borg. That's actually a really cool idea. Right, like add a second note of control, essentially somebody to try and counterbalance the queen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but what is the, what kind of situation does that put uh, Seven of Nine in, though? Granted, she's still on the Titan, right? But Seven of Nine had to do the same thing when she took over the. The yeah, the the cube. Yeah, the wrecked cube, right? And she did not seem pleased about the whole prospect of it, and. Well. I think that Picard is under a lot more strain from that than she would be. They definitely have their own story to inform their, their reactions to that. But um, I would love a poetic ending to Locutus. Like I, like I said earlier, when I rewrote Picard season one to make it so that, you know, Picard, his eromotic syndrome was actually a Borg implant that allowed him to communicate with synths and with Seven in command of the Borg cube, she could route a signal through him to have him speak to the synths 
and say, hey, we're not ready for this. We understand that. But, you know, give us a chance and we'll call you in a few hundred years, a few thousand years when we figure this out. And then they leave. And that is the ultimate poetry of Picard as Locutus and the vindication of why Q interfered in Picard's life in that way in the first place. Because if he hadn't, Galaxy would have been taken over. That's where I was going with my rewrite. So, you know, we can still harness some of that. You know, you actually made me think of something neat, though, because I, I really hadn't thought about the fact that the Romulans had that the cube for that long, right? Like they had it for 10, 15, 20 years or whatever. That gives them a lot of time to have studied Borg tech from there. Maybe Laris is the one who comes and shows up to save the day based on stuff that the Romulans or the, you know, the, not the Zapvash themselves because they've been basically wiped out, but like the the Tal Shiar and such brought information and they're going to be able to one, be the ones that cancel out the Borg signal for a certain amount of time to give Picard his chance to do whatever he needs to do. Maybe. It'd be a great way to bring Laris back into this whole mess. It would be a really great vindication for a character that keeps getting written off after the first episode. Yeah. Uh, we need more Irish Romulans. Can I get a hell yeah? Hell yeah! Thank you. <laughs> um, Tuvix grumbled, so I think that's another hell yeah for you. <laughs> um, okay, so we, we did we... Did we say what Jack's end end game was here? Does he get to go on and be trusted again, or is he done? I think if, if they manage to save him, if he survives the season, I think he'll go through the same transporter fixes your DNA thing that everybody else does, and then he just won't have that gene anymore. Okay. I can see that. That's good. That's good. Assuming he survives. I just don't know if they're going to do that. I hope they let him live. It'd be kind of kind of brutal for Picard as a character to try and save his son whom he just learned existed whom he had ignored for a decade uh, just to see him die to the same villain that is his worst nemesis why are we talking about David Marcus no 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 you, don't <laughs> want to again too. you just described yeah it's true <laughs> there are a lot of parallels uh, no parallels is a season 7 episode um, one of my favorite episodes of all time. It is one of mine too. Uh, okay, so uh, ultimately, we don't really know the details about Jack, but we're saying that he comes out of this. Maybe he goes on to be in Legacy, which is a new project that was uh, was sort of bumped around. Um, yeah, I mean, Terry Madalas has been talking about it, right? Like, he's mentioned the idea of doing a Legacies show, which I think is a really cool idea. Yeah. Give us an anthology kind of show follow some of our characters for a year maybe expands on their background i love it this sounds great to me i'm supposed to say that jack gets put in the naughty corner for a timeout, but i'm supposed to say it like super nanny but i never watch super nanny so i don't know how to say it that way just do it like and find from the nanny instead you mean fran drescher yes oh naughty corner no <laughs> i'm being told that was incorrect now I have to go to the naughty corner for a timeout. The naughty corner. Naughty corner. Oh, okay. Oh, so no, that's very British. Not British. not Jersey. British. Got it. Just like Jack's fake accent. All right. <laughs> it's not that. I don't think it's fake. He's a, he was he does a whole bunch of British stuff. He was an Outlander. He was in freaking Aragon. He was Aragon. In Aragon. 
Did you ever see that? It explains a few I things. I read the book. I think I watched the first movie and was very disappointed with it. Ah, well. <sighs> it has... Here's why. There's a description in the book, in the first one, of the dwarf city that lives inside of a uh, inside of an of an excavated mountain, and there's like a diamond at the very top of it that's where light shines through. I can't remember the name of the city, but the description of it was so beautiful. I thought it was one of the coolest like fantasy fantasy descriptions for a dwarven uh -oh. settlement ever. And then they just didn't do it in the movie. They did you wrong. I was mad. Did you wrong? That's like going to Lord of the Rings Two Towers and there's no towers. <laughs> it's just why? Why does why Saruman live in a hole in a in a hill? What's going on here? Uh all right. So um, Alice, Alice Borg, done. Right, like Dunzo, dead, destroyed, annihilated. End of game. Yeah, but does that mean the end of the collective, or is it just another reprieve? I, I think, think it's just another reprieve. I think it should just be another reprieve. I mean, there's a lot of hints saying that Janeway's destruction of that Unicomplex really them over. Um, and this could be part of that revenge and why Janeway comes back. And if you think yeah. about the number of episodes, like off the top of your head, how many episodes were the, did the Borg feature in in TNG? Not appearances, complete episodes. Six? Exactly six. Yeah. Q-Who, Best of Both Worlds 1 and 2, Iborg, Descent 1 and 2. And even in Descent 1 and 2, those are an offshoot. Splinter. Right. Yeah. So... In how many episodes of Voyager did the Borg feature in? Best guess. Probably close, to, probably close to 20. 26. Okay. How many episodes of Picard has a Borg drone featured in? A drone? Zero? I don't think any of them have actually drones. Or an XB. Oh, okay. Well, then a lot because of the first season. 19 episodes of all yeah. three seasons have featured uh, a Borg in one way or another. Are that is not 7 of 9. nine. Okay. No. The Borg Queen destabilized that in season two, but all of her uh, all of her mercenary guys too were basically Borg. Basically, um, there are a lot of drones that are featured in season one when they're attacking Narissa on the the cube. Um, but it's the artifact. That's what it was called, right? The artifact. Yeah. yeah. So it's just a broken down old. So cube. all right. So. Starbase 2, in flames, ruined. The fleet, big old backup flying in from all corners of the galaxy. Best case scenario, Cisco, Janeway, a hologram of Archer, uh, a CG motion capture of Spock. Everybody's in. Um, the EMH is there, too. Yeah, a ship just get... Photonic weapons. Yep, exactly. Um, they even mentioned, like, photonics on what's-her-name's ship. And that, never... Yeah. Never, never went anywhere with that. Never came back from that. I was like, oh, okay, we're going to have some photonic life. That'd be great. Get the EMH up in here. Okay, so that's what happens there. Uh, Jack, whatever happens to him, he goes through hell. He comes back. He's clean on the other side. He gets to go to Legacy. Uh, this Borg Unicomplex annihilated what happens to the Enterprise D and the seven people aboard her. Uh, they'll go back to retirement and live the rest of their lives. Is that your or, your happy case? Yes, honestly, <laughs> yes. I want Picard to go live a happy life with Laris. Okay. I think Crusher deserves to get some rest after like what sounds like 20 years of hell trying to make up for the deficiencies of the Federation. Deanna and Riker want to move back to the city. 
good. Go live on Beta Z. Have a nice life there with Kestra, right? Also like, mention Kestra. <laughs> yeah. Um, it'd be great for them. Uh, Jordy clearly is loving being the administrator of the Fleet Museum, so that is perfect for him. Him and his girls, both of them, survive this whole mess, right? Data, maybe he gets to go to the Daystrom Institute for a different purpose. Maybe he's going to go weed it. Or maybe he'll go to Oxford and be the Daystrom Institute chair. That would be cool. Just a little throwaway line. Yes, I've received an offer to be a dean at Oxford. Like, yes, <laughs> you did it. <laughs> the yeah. data in all good things was this data all along, and we didn't know. Perfect. Um, and then Worf, you know, he seems to be enjoying being a subcontractor. You know what would be great for me about Worf? At the end, Worf gets a call and Alexander's thanking him for being such a great father. <laughs> God, I can't believe in that one line where he's like slayer of Gowron and doer of this and murderer of that. House Roshenko. Yeah. Father, father of Alexander. Alexander? Maybe worth mentioning? Uh, Parmakai, yeah, Parmakai of the warrior Jadzia Dax. Parmakai of the warrior Kalar. Oh, you know what else would be really cool? If there was some sort of, like, mention of a memorial for Roe and for Shelby, something like that, for those that lost their life at the end of this whole thing. Um, granted, I'm sure there's many characters that we don't know that also die in this mess, but, like, for the characters that we do, some sort of, like, mention of, like, here's the memorial for those that died because of this whole mess. Yeah, that would be a cool thing. We saw Tasha. In a little hologram statue. A lot of people who died on this ship, though. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, Shaw. Shaw, does he come back? I think he's dead. I think that I don't think that they're trying to fake us out by not actually showing him die. I think he actually died. I'm really more concerned about what happens to Raffi and Seven when they stayed on the Titan, because that seems like a really bad idea. Yeah. I mean, we know that nanoprobes could keep him alive, and then he would have to grapple with a new arc of identity as he realizes that he's got Borg tech that saved his life. Yeah, I I don't know if Seven of Nine would consider violating somebody's autonomy in that way at this point in her life. When she was still freshly disconnected, she might have been like, oh, he's dying? Let me save him with some nanoprobes. I don't think she's in that mind state anymore, even for somebody that she now grudgingly respects like Shaw. Who was it? Was it Seven that gave Neelix nanoprobes when he lost his lungs or something like that? No, the lung thing was when they had the hologram lungs. I don't remember, but it was definitely a Neelix thing. Neelix died in an accident, and he... Yeah, he got reanimated. He didn't he got... have any memories. He and didn't they, see anything. They've already, yeah. they've already touched on the, the ethics of reanimating somebody after they've died when their autonomy is kind of not cool with that. I, I would be okay with that. Um, it would also be cool if Janeway was like, yeah, Tuvix came back and we killed him again. Um... Poor pupper. <laughs> Poor pupper. Split into two dogs. You got two dogs now. It's great. Two and Vix. Ugh, I don't know if I could handle that. <laughs> but yeah. It's I, just, uh, how two... about something they could do that would disappoint you or leave you truly upset with the season? Um, I would... Truly upset would be me. I would be really pissed off if the status quo was restored at the end of the episode. For 30 years, well, let me let me track this in production time. Except for Strange New Worlds, Prodigy, and Lower Decks, the Star Trek shows have been full of we fucked around and we found out. 
but at the end of the season, everything's hunky-dory again because we solved that one mistake. And I'm really tired of media restoring the status quo to what it was. The Federation needs to get a grip and stop doing some of this shit. Stop networking your ships. Stop screwing around with, you know, uh, POWs. That's that's not cool. Um, yeah, I just... I, th I really think that the Federation needs to revisit its soul. And I think we need to see the groundwork for that at the end of this episode where we don't get a status quo ending. That's fair. I, I understand where you're coming from. I kind of disagree. Okay. I think that like the concept of like networking your fleet to some extent is a logical one. It's like a natural evolution of having like a combined arms military sort of thing, right? Like ships should share information maybe not control one another or have one ship that controls 50 others, but they should be networked to the point where what that ship sees, I can target. We already have that though. We have that now. I know. No, 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 no. I'm not even talking about we have that now. I mean, we all had that, like the tachyon field and redemption. They all knew what was going on there. All the ships were networked in the way that you described then. Yeah, I don't think they ever really expanded upon it significantly, though, right? Like, we'd see scenes in Deep Space Nine where somebody has to say, send them our targeting information. And it's like, are you kidding? Like, they don't just have it? Why? Um, I'm sure that there's somebody out there could think of a reason why it would be unsafe to send somebody targeting information, especially if, you know, you're targeting the wrong ship. You're trying to trick someone into firing on a ship that isn't yours if you're targeting it, but... Fair. But um, anyway, just I think that Starfleet has done some the Federation as a whole has done some good reevaluation of some of its biases. Like in season one, they reevaluated their biases against synthetics. Good. That's good. That was something that was stupid that they needed to get over. Uh season two, they were reevaluating their biases against the Borg. Yeah. Good. That's something they need to get over. Right? Just because you're an enhanced cybernetically doesn't mean that you're inherently somebody evil, vile, or controllable. And now we've got season three where both of those considerations now have to be looked at again, right? I'm hoping that season three doesn't result in a backslide. I thought that the improvements into the ethos of the Federation from the first two seasons was good. There's no way that Starfleet doesn't know about the other Borg. The other Borg? Jurati. Jurati Borg? No, they know. They have to. There yeah. was a whole fleet of ships there. Yeah. They know. Which means the Borg know. true huh something to think about so here's one point that i i was kind of trying to figure out a way to make it make sense but i'll just share what i'd gotten to okay so we know that the borg showed up this borg the the delta borg showed up in space here using a transwarp conduit right yeah using the same kind of transwarp conduits that janeway had disabled 20 years prior right or 30 well maybe prior. not all of them but yeah no, but yeah, using the same kind of concept. That's why it was so fast, right? It's not like a transwarp drive, which still takes travel time. Cool. Um, maybe they managed to sneak in under where Jurati was looking. She's looking at a distance. She's looking outward. Here they snuck in inside of where she would be looking, so she oh. didn't see them appear. We have to we have to really calibrate Jurati's senses here. She's a She's a 25th century Confederate Borg with 300 years of being a 25th century Confederate Borg kind of perspective. 
did those Borg have transwarp? Did they operate on the same frequencies? I mean, how much can she really sense from a collective that she that this Borg queen doesn't know anything about? Well, remember how they how her ship even appeared, right? It was like a rip and tear into space that wasn't transwarp. Yeah. It, so there's definitely some ambiguity as to what kind of technology they share with the main Wayne Borg. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I'm fine with that. Yeah. So, um. Go ahead. And then, and then the rest of my point was just once they got in under Jurati's radar, so to speak, right? They just made sure to stay under her radar until they took over Starfleet. Once they took over Starfleet, Jurati's probably in a tougher bind. Sure. That, how, that's the only thought I had there. How quickly do you think they could do this? Since it was like two years ago that we just purged a Romulan infiltration in Starfleet. I mean, changelings are very good at their job. Yeah. yeah taken very long at all yeah especially motivated changelings maybe a little psychotic changelings all right all right all right all right angry angry prosciutto angry prosciutto yes yeah okay so at some point around the power vacuum that was created when we kicked out O and her romulan cohorts uh, from the Jat Bosch, and then in all the the bureaucracy and diplomacy that had to happen with um, outreach for the synths, because at the beginning of Picard S2, they went on that, like, synth goodwill tour um, to the same planet that Jack said had the really cool interconnected vines, strangely enough, Rattalan 4 or something like that. Um, in that window of time would be a perfect opportunity for angry changelings to infiltrate and take up spots that were were empty there um i guess the question i'm left lingering with on that one right is how many were there right like vatic makes it sound like there were only like less than a dozen of them in the test tubes that were experimented on right and her crew is certainly more than a dozen and her crew seems to all be these kinds of changeling things as well. Well, she said that she could link with a changeling and transfer the the change. That's true. So she may have found uh, other founders who either chose to leave the, the, the link or were locked away from the link. She may have found POWs that we didn't even know about. Um, she may have found a, a hearty number of the 100 that were sent out ahead of time. So there is a, a not too difficult to imagine pool uh, pool of changelings that she could have cha- have have done out there. Now the question is, how many of those changelings are still on ships in this fleet? That was the big fear when Roe came over was not to use the transporters because something was wrong with them, but she didn't know what. And then you know the changelings that were with her beamed off, and she was stuck on a shuttle. So there are definitely changelings on these other ships. They're not just done with the Shrike. Yeah, it's it's definitely something more here, right? Like, maybe... Okay, so uh, Conspiracy showed us that it didn't take very many Starfleet head of fleet admirals to be taken over to really cause a problem. Right. Like, the Bluegill seemed to have, what, like, six people, I think? So More like a dozen. E- even so. A even couple of admirals and everybody at a table. Yeah. Even so, it's not a ton of people. So if she had or Vadic's group was like 30 changelings deep, they could have definitely have made a huge problem 
for Starfleet, assuming they didn't learn their fucking lesson from the last time this happened, or from Leighton when this happened. Yeah, it would have been great if somehow we'd had that Cardassian shape changey inhibitor tool. We don't know if it would have worked on them here. We don't know. I they're, mean, they're angry prosciutto. They're totally different. Yeah, but I mean, I the the way that that tool was described, I mean, you could write it off with, well, it just doesn't work on them. But the way that tool was described is that it prevented a monoform from changing shape. Didn't seem to discriminate too much on who that monoform was. I don't know if it would work against a cameloid because cameloids don't seem to shape change the same way. But. Uh, yeah, I think that kind of seals the deal on that. Um, anything else that you wanted to speculate about? The only other thing that I think would make me really mad about this episode is that if it's something completely neat and tidy, everything ends up happy hunky-dory, everybody ends up super chill, nothing changes, the Federation doesn't learn its lesson. I agree with you. That's probably what would leave me upset. I do want Federation to grow from this. Be smarter about how you handle insider threats yeah i can see that it would be cool if there's like an after credit scene that leads into something mm -hmm. but i'm at this point i'm convinced there's going to be some type of endgame portals cavalry to the rescue scene i do think we're going to get the opening scene is going to be the destruction of the space station and i think janeway is going to show up with part of a cavalry cavalry good yeah i think that that's a good way to do the episode cool i like how the end credits had all the hints right there in front of us the whole time the whole time yeah, yeah. even even small things like the pop goes the weasel were right there in the credits and you really had to try and figure out where yep. it was coming from the pop goes the weasel the uh dna the the, the signal from the DNA. Yep, yep. The cloaking device. In Klingon with the language translator. Yeah. And the audio cue for it was the Klingon cloaking device too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really told good. Told us a lot about the season early on. We just yeah. Didn't no. Know. And that that's what I really love about that is, like, s producers. Yes, you. You have the internet, you've got thousands of people, millions of people who are pouring over every piece of detail to extrapolate one new bit of canon that somebody can say, I found it first. And the way that they did these credits was the ex the perfect way you do, that you do um, uh, fan service. You know, Worf's reveal was very, very subtle, but it, like in the end credits it was like do not give in to anger do not give in to despair like okay that's a worth thing to say that's definitely going to be worth you know the last thing that somebody i saw this on reddit somebody said the last thing we're going to see is that shaw put in a commendation for seven and that's why you see the report from shaw in the end credits for commander hansen <sighs> Any prediction, I guess I forgot to ask, any prediction for how Raffi and Seven end up in this whole thing? Because they're not part of the Seven, but... Hmm. They go back to Raffi's uh, place on uh, Cestus Three. I mean, uh, Van Nuys. I mean, whatever planet the rocks are on now. <laughs> I thought it was just the west side of Chicago. Uh, no, those, those, rocks are, those rocks are just outside of L.A. No, I was talking about... Never mind. Okay, yeah. Like a rough neighborhood. My bad. 
no i i would love if they went back to that place and you know maybe rios will be there and be like what and yes give me more give me more rios i would love more rios please <laughs> representation matters representation matters but rios was damn cool damn cool ah well renzo thank you for joining me uh, for another episode of uh, Quasi Beyond Track Podcast. It's not all four of us, and this is sort of a uh, what's going to happen tomorrow feature. It's going to go live tomorrow, too. So if you're listening to us, the finale of Star Trek Picard is out there right now on Paramount Plus in all the regions that it's supported in. And if it's not, we're advocating for you to get that stuff by yelling at uh, producers and stuff like that. I don't know how much our little corner of Trek Twitter can help, but... You definitely deserve to get it. Did we predict anything right? Did, what did we predict yeah. wrong? Were we dumb? Tell us. Oh, right? dude. I expect I expect us to be texting each other back and forth, being like, we got this. We didn't get this. We got this. Ah! It'll be great. It'll be great. And uh, what does this mean for Star Trek? Uh, after Picard ends, we don't have any new Star Trek until season two of Strange New Worlds come out. Trailer just came out today. Uh, it also revealed that uh, Academy Award winner Michelle Yeoh will be heading up the Section 31 Now movie on Paramount+. Plus. So, uh, yeah, probably can't book her for an entire TV show anymore, but you can get an hour too and a half expensive. out of her. Yeah, too expensive. Uh, um, yeah, so we're going to be in another void of, of Trekdom until we get to Strange New Worlds and Season 4 Lower Decks, and then Season 2 Prodigy coming out in the fall. Uh, Starfleet Academy, ETA Unknown. We are in a... So much content. Yeah, we are in a new... A new, should we say, a silver age of Star Trek right now? We had yeah, our golden yeah. age, and now we're in the silver age. Works I mean, for I'm me. glad that they're wrapping up shows before they go stale, right? Like, yeah. don't drag out a show. Don't become It's Always Sunny or something, right? Like give us good and then know when your time is done we want more avatar the last airbender and less how i met your mother yes <laughs> all right everybody that's gonna do it for us thank you for tuning into beyond track podcast and for boldly going beyond track podcast i got it reversed my bad okay hey everybody i just wanted to give a quick shout out to our patreon and anchor supporters to s tam and nora hickson Thank you so much for being a part of Beyond Trek Podcast. We are Beyond Trek Podcast. Lower your inhibitions and surrender your years. We will add inspirational and hilarious Trek content to your day. Your attention will adapt to subscribe to us. Resistance is futile.